Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Talk is about to begin. Hey, 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 come on in. Welcome back to a Tuesday Buckeye Talk from Cleveland.com. Some of you like this, some of you less interested. We're doing basketball. We got a reset. It's a new team. The transfers are in. The NBA guys are gone. And we we did we need to reset this. And if you're not a diehard Ohio State basketball fan, we see the numbers. Sometimes the basketball pod just doesn't quite the numbers of the football pod. But I, Stephen, I do think this is interesting as Stephen Means and I prepare to do this because the whole team left. The whole yeah. – imagine if you had a team and then – this is like this old thing. I think it's uh, – is it – it's like a philosophical thing that if you have a boat – and there are pieces of wood rotting in the boat, and you replace one by one, you replace all the pieces of the boat. So in the end, there's no original wood left on the boat, but you've done it bit by bit. Is that boat still the same boat? And then if you take all the pieces of the boat that you took off that first boat, and you build a second boat with it, and now... That's all the original wood from the first boat. Which one is the real boat? So we don't have that full argument. We just have all the wood is gone. And I guess they got some wood from Wright State and West Virginia, and they have some good recruiting wood. But there is no boat left. I did not realize this. I I, I have tried to be open-minded about the basketball team in the last 12 months. I'm not feeling great. These are the numbers. When you look at the total minutes from last season, we're also doing it in rush hour again. You have the windows closed. We're doing it in rush hour on High Street or whatever road you're on that we can hear uh, every car that drives by. Oh, Uh, hold on. So I am looking at minutes played from last year. 6,450 total minutes for the team. 83.8 percent of those minutes are gone 16.2 of the minutes are back 2329 points for last year's team 85.9 percent of the points are gone 14.1 percent are back what's back is zed key and gene brown and justice suing played two games last year that's all that's back so seth towns and justice suing are going to be around they're veteran guys towns was out all of last year suing was out all but two games Zed Key is a backup big man for a good Big Ten team. He's here. And Eugene Brown, I don't know. He's going to be a junior. Is he starter quality? I don't know. I thought maybe he was going to make a move last year, and he didn't. This is three transfers and a big recruiting class, Stephen. I have no idea. I had said you've got to wait 
to see what happens with this class because it's Chris Holtman's best recruiting class. I have no idea how they're going to be as good as they were this year, and this year wasn't good enough. How in God's name are they going to be as good as this year when they had EJ Liddell and Malachi Branham? Because they need two guys to make a Malachi Branham leap because they sure as heck don't have an EJ Liddell. Tanner Holden, 20 points a game from Wright State. I just I don't – obviously he's a different player, but he's not a, a centerpiece guy, I don't think. I can't think about him in the same way you thought about EJ Liddell. How, is this, how can this team be better? How can this be Holtman's jump up year? They don't have anybody back. It's a completely new boat. Yeah. Malachi Branham basically turning himself into a lottery pick was uh, not on their bingo card until about January. And I think they did a decent job given how that played out, trying to replace it. But this is going to be an interesting year next year where I think this team might be really talented by the time we get to February, but I know it's going to look really ugly. Like we're, we're used to seeing Ohio State kind of skate through the non-conference schedule and then trick and basically trick us into thinking that they're a top 10 team in the country before they get to February and they prove they're not. I don't think it's going to look like that this time around. I think if you play 12 non-conference games, if they go six and six, I won't be shocked just because they're so young and it's so many new guys. And to be quite honest with you, I'm not really sure who their go-to guy is sitting right now. I have an idea, but I'm not 100% certain about it. So before we get into what's going to be, we can get into a little bit of what is gone. When you look at the guys who played the most minutes last year, EJ Liddell, 33.2 minutes gone. Malachi Branham, 29.6 minutes gone. Jamari Wheeler, 29.5 minutes gone. Kyle Young, 20, excuse me, 22.7 minutes gone. Justin Arns, 20.1 minutes gone. So the leading returner in terms of minutes is the guy who played the sixth most last year, Zed Key, 19.8. He's back. Michi Johnson, 17.7, gone. Eugene Brown, 17. He's back. Sed Russell, 12.9. He's gone. Jimmy Sotos, he's an Instagram model. He's gone. Joey Brunk, he's a 30-year-old pickup basketball player. He's gone. So those are the guys that back. Let's run through again why these guys are gone and what that tells us about anything. EJ Liddell is a three-year player, goes to the NBA. He is an absolute success story. He is a Mm -hmm. three-year Big Ten player where the last two years of it were incredibly impactful. It's exactly what you want to get out of a guy like that. And now he's going to go off and has a very good chance to be a first-round NBA draft pick. EJ Liddell, an absolute success story for EJ, for Chris Holtman, for the staff, for the program. He is the shining star so far of the Chris Holtman era, right? Mm-hmm. Without question. Malachi Branham, one year, basically half a year, being a high-level player. 13.7 points, but he was practically a 20-point-a-game score when it mattered down the stretch. 29.6 minutes. This is a lot like D'Angelo Russell. You thought he'd be a two-year guy. He winds up being a one-year guy. And the thing about this is, at some point, it's hard, Stephen, because this is a credit to Malachi. It's a credit to Chris Holtman and the staff, but it does hurt the program. Ohio State, with D'Angelo Russell in 2014-2015, they finished sixth in the Big Ten, made the round of third. They won one NCAA tournament game. They were 24-11 and overall. The next year, they were 11-7 and in the Big Ten again. They had the same Big Ten record, but they missed the NCAA tournament. They really did miss D'Angelo Russell. And then the next year, Thad Mata gets fired. So 
you know, by the end of Thad Mata, nobody was saying, oh, well, Thad, you know, it's because you developed Angela, D'Angelo Russell so well. That's why, okay, let's give you credit. You are what you are. And so congratulations, here's your reward is you lose the guy after half a season of impact. But, I mean, this is what it's like to recruit great players, I guess, right? I, I, I guess we can kind of feel bad for the program, but also it is what it is. Ohio State is not set up to have one and done players because when you're recruiting, putting together recruiting classes at places like Ohio State, you're kind of building them in tandem with other groups and how guys fit together. And so when one guy, you almost would rather a guy not develop as fast as you thought he would than to develop faster than you thought he would. Because then at least if he develops slowly, he's around a little bit longer. But if he pops earlier than you expect it, now, as we're getting ready to get into here, it throws off the very next year when it's like you penciled that guy in as, okay, in year one, he's probably your second best player, but now he's supposed to be your best player and you're ready to take that step. Well, you lost your best player while also we live in this world of you know transfer portal and they also had a really old team, so they were going to lose 75% of their roster anyway. You're, it's not necessarily square one. It's just this team has absolutely nothing to do with what last year was. Is there any lesson learned here? Should Ohio State not recruit the next Malachi Branham? Should they let him go to Duke or Kentucky and think, okay, well, if it's a one and done, maybe it's not even worth doing. What is should they uh, do a better job of persuading that guy to stay in school somehow? Or is this just this happens sometimes when a player does a great job developing and gets good coaching and there is nothing to be learned. It's just kind of like Chris Holtman's like, ah, shoot. Yeah, this happens sometimes. I mean, Michigan State's not really set up for one and done either, but they've had their fair share of Gary Harris's of the world. So it it just happens, and you got to deal with it, and you got to adapt. I don't feel I don't feel that bad because you still had two NBA players last year and failed to get to the second weekend of the NCAA tournament. All right, Jamari Wheeler. He was a nice grad. Uh, was was he a grad transfer? I guess a late transfer, yes. one year transfer from Penn State, defensive guard. He was fine. That's like that. That worked, right? Jamari Wheeler came in here and did what he was expected to do. Is that how we'd view that? Yeah. Seven point one points per game, but he was always defense first. I don't know. It's one of those things. I understand the transfer portal is the transfer portal, but at some point, if you're like relying on the Jamari Wheelers of the world, you're not going to get where you want to go. Uh, mm-hmm. Kyle Young has been here the whole time. Chris Holtman was here, like ridiculously long tenure at Ohio State, proved to be a huge glue guy for them. You'd you'd take a guy like Kyle Young on your roster every year, right? If you're Chris Holtman, if you're Ohio State, you want a couple guys like that to help hold everything together? Yeah, I'm almost wondering who Kyle Young is this season. Yeah, their problem is they don't have another one. Is it Zed Key? No. Then they don't have Because even that one, yeah, they don't have one. Because even with Kyle Young, as much as it was about him diving on the floor for loose balls – he also was like a very versatile basketball player on both ends of the floor. Yeah, rebound, score inside, shoot some threes. Yeah. yeah, yeah, he's not just a try-hard guy. That guy can play no. some hoops. Uh, fifth in minutes, Justin Arns just completely lost his game at the end of the season. He's a shooter who couldn't shoot anymore and transferred. Yeah, that's, good. that's a pretty good explanation. It's like a kid's story, the shooter who couldn't shoot. All right, uh, Zed Key, he's sixth in minutes, he's back. Michi Johnson, seventh in minutes. He's supposed to be the next Jamari Wheeler. He's supposed to step up. Malachi Branham, we get it. He went to the NBA. Michi Johnson, at this point, should be getting ready to, like, take over this team. That it's like, Mm -hmm. hey, I don't know 
what they have back, but at least they have a veteran point guard they believe in who's going to run the show and show these young guys how to do it. And he left. What happened? And I do actually let me double check this because I think we have a question about this from our tech subscribers, uh, Stephen, because the thing of Michi Johnson, it, it's a little odd. This is from the 614. Can you address the departure of Michi Johnson? Wasn't he a top 100 recruit coming out of high school? Did you see enough of Michi over two seasons um, to say that he can't play at Ohio State? Because he kind of had some injury stuff. He had a weird year where he kind of like came to school early. Did Holtman do Michi any favors asking to skip his senior in high school to come to Ohio State early? Yes, there was a shortage in the Ohio State backcourt, but wouldn't Michi have been better served playing his senior in high school and helping uh, letting that develop his game? So the bottom line is it, we really feel like we didn't get to see the full Michi Johnson effect. Why was that, and how much of a loss is this that we didn't see it? I think there is an argument that Holt, that he probably should have just stayed in high school for his senior year and just played basketball because that was the thing. His first two years, he was great. Then he tore his ACL, and then he didn't play high school basketball again for two years. And then he showed up here early and this like, hey, just come here and learn from C.J. Walker and we'll get you in when we can. But we're not really promising you any playing time. And that was supposed to be a way for him to get a head start on his college basketball career. But it never really turned into much. He was a starter at the beginning of the season and then he got he broke his face and was out of the lineup. And then he came back into the lineup and never really found consistency because every time he would probably get some consistency, it would be another injury. So. Yeah, I think there's a case to be made that he probably just should have been playing basketball as a high school senior and just waited and showed up with Malachi and Kalen Etzler in the summertime instead of getting here early because I'm not yet sure where the benefit of him of doing that was because he showed up here after not playing basketball for two years expecting to just be able to play high-level college basketball, and that never really worked out. So is, is did the staff mess this up? Like, this this should have gone better than this, right? He, yeah. He transferred to where? North Carolina State? Where'd he go? South Carolina. South Carolina. Mm-hmm. The, more was expected here, right? The, and, and it's not mm-hmm. like – I know Bruce Thornton, and we'll get to him, is a freshman point guard coming in. But they could – couldn't they use Michi? Couldn't they use the Michi they thought they were getting when they recruited him? This team could still use that. This isn't like, oh, well, it's fine. We'll have a place for ready to go. Yeah, because they're not the same player. It would have been a small backcourt, but Michi is more of a scorer. And Bruce Thornton is more of a pure point guard. So you could play those two guys together. Um, it just felt like there was a Michi, the idea of what Michi Johnson was supposed to be based off his early high school days and the guy who showed up on campus were not the same person anymore. And that's some of that's injuries, some of that is development, but it's it's just it's not Tate Martellish because I don't think he has the like the the some of the like personality of Tate Martell, but they're just the idea of the I of the idea of what somebody is versus what they actually are. They never ne- actually mm. lined up. Yeah, and Justin Fields so, is coming to save the day for the basketball team. Right. And so what you end up getting is a guy who's a cool headline, but never really produce at the sport he was supposed to be producing at. So then Eugene Brown is eighth in minutes, and then ninth, tenth, and eleventh in minutes is three non-impact transfers. 
said Russell, Jimmy Sotos, and Joey Brunk. And if you're trying to rely on those three guys to win anything, you're not going to win anything. So, like, again, I'll save my breath on some of the, oh, transfers. Show me show me stuff. I get it. Talk about it constantly. Show me the guy. Oh, have they had somebody? Have they had somebody? I know Justice Suing is going to be the best player in America, and he's going to save the program after he played two games last year. Have they had a good transfer yet? Who's the best transfer they've had? Definitely Justice Suing, and that's not saying much because the one because he's been here for three years, he's had one healthy season, and he was at best the third best player on that on a team that lost in the first round as a so, two seed. So I'll, I'm so, going to save my breath on Tanner Holden, Sean McNeil, and Isaac Likely, like being yeah. the reason that Ohio State's going to be awesome this year. I'm I'm way down on this. This I don't. And and listen, there's some of this. There's a lot of. Well, if Beachy Johnson had developed more, if Malachi Branham hadn't left, and if Justice Suing hadn't gone hurt, it's year five of Holtman, right? It's year five. It's going to be year yes. five. He's had, no, it's going to be year six. It's going to be year six. He has five seasons. It's going to be year yeah, six. Right. There's nothing. I'm kind of, I'm out of butts. Buckeye talked. I mean, there's no, there's no, there's no anything. It's just results. We're just at results time and that's fine. And I'm not saying, you know, that they only made, they didn't make the second weekend and that means anything should happen. But this is a result. Is this, this is a results year, right? However it yes. happened, whoever you have, whoever you don't have, it's a results year. That's it. Yes. Um, like I started off by saying that. It's like, okay, Malachi Brown is an NBA player. Cool. There was a chance that was going to happen, even if it was slim. You still have a top five recruiting class. Do something yeah. with it. Yeah. So they were 12-8 and eight last year, tied for fourth in the Big Ten, 20-12 overall, lost their second game in the NCAA tournament after they fell apart down the stretch and went from what should have been a top four seed to what were they six seed? No, seven seed. They were seven seed. They should have been like a four or five seed. They wound up being a seven seed. If you, uh, you can turn it off. I'm going to be in a bad mood. I'm not in a bad, I'm frustrated on behalf of Ohio state basketball fans. I mean, like how can, this is where we, this is where the program is. This is going into year six. This is where we are. They have two guys back who played last year. And it's like they're seventh and ninth best players. Cool. That's fun. Oh, cool. There's a guy from Wright State here. Awesome. Where can I sign up for his NIL jersey? Cool. This is what this is now? I get it. I get it. Portal's here. Guys go to the NBA. Your reward for Malachi Branham is that you lose him. I get it. It's not good enough. And it's the results here. It's a bottom line results here. I got I to gotta take a break and calm down. I got to get my head on straight because I didn't realize how bad this was. I didn't realize they lost 86% of their scoring and 83% of their minutes. It's not good. Yeah. It's like a pro. Listen, and I know I couch everything in terms of Thad Bottom. Thad Bottom, like that whole recruiting class transferred, he got fired. When the boat is a different boat, sometimes you got to change the captain. Put that in the t shirt next on Buckeye Talk. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, let's run through. It's like I just want to know who's going to play and who's going to be good. But we do want that was to have a really good way to, part of this. I'm just saying that was a really good way to wrap up that boat analogy. I was wondering yeah. where you were going with that when you started it, and it was pretty good. I liked it. I always wonder. I never know. Just so anybody knows, I never know 
where I'm going with anything that I say. Fuck I talk. Fuck I talk. For from the four one nine, how much did the loss of Branham set this roster and Holtman's program in general back? Seems like he was a big part that everyone was planning on having for two years, and now he's gone. Not sure you can just replace his production as much as they're trying. I, that's we've talked about that a lot. Like how, what would we be saying about this team if Malachi Brandon was here? Because we had done, we did a thing on a Browns podcast recently where we ranked the teams in the AFC. And I think I might've had the Browns like fourth. And I said, and if Baker Mayfield was their quarterback, I think I might have him like 13th. That that's how big of a difference mm-hmm. is when you go from Baker Mayfield to Deshaun Watson, because how can you live in a world in the AFC these days without a franchise quarterback, without a guy who can win games by himself, without a guy who makes everybody around him better automatically. That's how much of a difference that was just on the football. How much different, how many games is Malachi Branham worth? How much, how much would we be viewing this differently if you just plopped Malachi Branham down right in the middle of it? And then everybody was playing off of him. The final four would not be an irresponsible phrase. I think that's the difference there. Because even if we, it could be this exact same roster, but like take out Isaac Likely and put back in Malachi Branham, because that's why he's here, is because Malachi wasn't coming back. Um, fine. Tanner Holden's your second best scorer. Justice Suing's a pretty good option. It gives you some time for this talented freshman class to, you know, figure out college basketball. Meanwhile, Malachi Branham scoring 20 points a game. And you think Tanner Holden would be here regardless that Tanner Holden yeah. was happy to, cause he came before Malachi officially announced, but he obviously Correct. had a good vibe on what was happening. Yes. The staff told him, and I'm sure the staff knew Malachi was gone and sold Tanner on the idea of coming here. You scored 20 at Wright state. You might score 25 for this team. Frankly, mm-hmm. they, you think there would have been a pitch there. Cause they play the same position, right? Could they have played together? Aren't they both? Yes. Two, they're both twos, but you could have played yeah, two, but, two wing guys. We've been fine. Yeah, they'd have been fine there because right twenty points at right states like fourteen points in the Big Ten. If we're going to be honest here, better not While be. Malik, better not be for this team. I mean, yeah, now it's yeah now it, it needs to be twenty points in the Big Ten. But in a world where you thought where Malachi Branham comes back, if he's giving you fourteen and Malachi is giving you eighteen, nineteen, twenty, that's fine. You can live with that. Because eventually some of these freshmen are going to come along for the ride. All right. Let's ask a big picture, big picture question here from Joseph, our guy in Atlanta. Is this roster better set up for success in March 2023 than it was in March 2022? So when we get the we look at the March that just passed and we look at the March that is ahead, which of those rosters would you preferably take into the tournament? I certainly am voting last year. The NBA players? Yeah. Um, yeah, at first glance, you'd just say the team with two first-round NBA draft picks. I think you would – That's. but then I think about it. I think the 2022 spring, after you get past the NBA players, there's nothing. So, like – and as we saw – as we actually saw, the NBA players played well, but they had no other help, so they ended up losing – I think this team by next spring, a lot's got to hit, obviously, but there are more players who can bring something to the table offensively. Whether it's Holden, Bruce Thornton, Bryce Sensabaugh, Justice Suing, it's just more options. From, they Ohio State ran out of talent in 2022. If everything goes perfectly, which I'm not saying that's going to happen at all, 
But if everything goes perfectly, Ohio State shouldn't run out of talent in 2023 in the second round. Can I simultaneously, as we evaluate the roster that was and the roster that will be, can I think, looking at last year's roster, that last year's team wasn't that good and also think last year's team is better than this year's team? Can both of those things be true? Because the thing you said about, well, after EJ and Malachi, there was not a lot there. You start going through Jamari Wheeler and Kyle Young. They're nice like pieces, but man, they were getting relied upon and they're kind of like solid role guys. And then Mm -hmm. like Justin Arns and Michi Johnson were huge parts of this team. And they're like both gone because they didn't know if they're going to play here like that. They were like Mm -hmm. huge rotation guys. So you look at that and you do say, man, they actually were pretty short in a lot of ways last year. But then you look at going ahead and you think, well, I don't see an EJ Liddell or Malachi Branham on that team. And then you think, okay, so all they need, I'll tell you what, the 2023 Buckeyes, they are just an EJ Liddell and a Malachi Branham away. <laughs> Take the two the 20, NBA, because yeah. that, that team had the two NBA guys and no, no support. This mm-hmm. team is like all support and no NBA guys. There's not going to be... I mean, maybe Bruce Thornton or some of the other guys will eventually. We are not expecting, are we? Let, let me actually ask. No. A, let me ask a tester, a texter question about this before we get into the freshman a little bit more. Um, let's see. Of the incoming from the nine three seven, of the incoming freshmen that are ranked in the top sixty among top sixty recruits, how many years would you predict each one of them stays? Which ones are most likely to achieve the unexpected one and done? This is Jared and Springboro. So, like, that idea, is there a Malachi in this group? Because Malachi was, like, a top 25 guy, wasn't he? Wasn't he a top 25 national recruit? He was. Give me two seconds here, and we're going to find out. You know, typing on the pod, typing on the pod, typing on the pod. My Wi-Fi is slow. He was number 38. Okay, Malachi was number 38. Let's run through this recruiting class and their recruiting rank. And then recruiting rank isn't the end-all, be-all. We get it. Jaden Ivey wasn't a top 20 national guy, right? And he's He was awesome. not, but so he was, so, yeah, he was pretty awesome. I'll tell you what, this this Ohio State basketball team, they are just an EJ Liddell, a Malachi Branham, and a Jaden Ivey away from the final four. Oh, just right there on the edge. Just three pieces, three pieces. What what are the ranks of these incoming recruits? Oh, okay. Roddy Gale, the number 41 player, the number two shooting guard in the country. Bruce Thornton, the number 42 player, the number eight point guard in the country. Felix Apara, number 54 player, the number 11 center in the country. Bryce Sensenball, the number 55 player, the number 15 small forward in the country. And then for the sake of closing out the class, Bruce Bowen Hardman, the one Ohio guys, number 302 and the number 48 two, two guard in the country. All right. So who is the most, if you had to project, could Roddy Gale, Roddy Gale, all right. Roddy Gale's basically the same kind of rank as Malachi Branham. It's a big time two guard. number two, two guard in the country. Is Does he play like Malachi Branham? Can we expect that kind of first year impact from Roddy Gale? He can score it. Um, Cavs fans will like this name. I wonder if there's some Isaac Okoro in him. As a guy with some really high upside 3 and D NBA guy even if for the Cavs he hasn't completely locked in on that yet. But maybe you're not thinking about it right now as an NBA player, and maybe he doesn't spend his year in college looking like an NBA player. But 
NBA teams like him, so he goes. Who cares? Great. Oh, so can- so he's going to have a lousy college year and then go to the NBA? Awesome. Can I just leave this podcast? You do it. I don't even want to talk about this team. How is this fun for anybody? How is this fun? Is this going to be fun? I want basketball fans to have fun. I know they're not having fun listening to me right now. God, what has happened to Ohio State basketball? What has happened? It was fun for like two weeks, a couple years ago. This is not it. God, it's not it. All right. So like uh, Bruce Thornton, he's more of a distributor, right? He's a point guard who's going to distribute. Mm-hmm. That's not usually the kind of – I mean, D'Angelo handled the ball a lot, but that guy's a scorer. If you're going to jump as a small guy, you got to score. They're not they're – You not better be Darius Garland with it or – yeah. And even then, like – I can't even use a Darius Garland example because he got hurt two games into his Vanderbilt career and then left. So that's the same concept of, oh, he's an NBA player, but the college team never got to use him. To answer the question, no. There is not a guy right now where January is going to roll around and we're going to be wondering if he's going to be back for a second season. Which I guess is good, but which is also bad. Like what you want to have is guys who are good enough to go to the NBA, but who don't go to the NBA. That's what you want. It's like one of those. It's if nobody wants to hire you, it's like anything. It's like assistant coaches. If nobody else wants to hire your assistant coaches, maybe you better look at your assistant coaches. But if your assistant coaches are just all they worried about is climbing in their careers and they're all going to leave after 18 months at your place. And that's not great either. So you want guys, you want Brian Hartlines. You want guys who other teams want to hire. Yes. But who aren't looking to leave. And that is a thread that they have they have not threaded that needle yet. Uh they haven't threaded any needles with the Ohio State basketball program. God, I'm negative. I was positive. I was positive on selection. I told you guys, I wrote the thing on selection day. Hey, here's the time to be positive. They're one of eight programs in the country that would have made the tournament all five years of Chris Holtman. Because after the selections, once we get to the games. We'll be back to being negative. So let's be positive now. So that positive's in the background. We're back in the negative. This is not fun. This is not fun for uh, – so football people are like, well, this guy's just screaming negative things. And basketball people are like, oh, they're talking basketball. Oh, no, here comes angry Doug. I apologize. I didn't, I didn't know I was going to do this because I didn't know enough about the team. I didn't know I was going to do this. But here we are. Let's talk about Kaylin, Kaylin Etzler. That seems exciting. From the 513, will Kalen Etzler have a realistic shot at a real role this year? Or is he targeting the 23 season? So he redshirted last year. Yes. So he's like a he's like another new guy, because the whole roster's mm-hmm. new. But does he slide in or is he still like a work in progress? I mean, he better slide in at some point, because if not, I mean they only got two big men. They've got Zed Key, who's an undersized big man, and they got Isaac Okpora, who's a true freshman. Oh, Felix, uh, they, Felix, Felix. Felix, yeah, wow. Sorry, I'm thinking about thinking about good basketball teams. Sorry. Um, Felix Okpora. Yes, I would expect Kalen to have some level of a role this year. They, he knew he was going to redshirt when he committed here because he just physically wasn't ready to play college basketball yet. He was really skinny when he got here. He was 6'8", 195, and that's not going to get it done, even if you are more of a stretch four. But I would expect him to have some level of a role even if he's not, you know, he's not going to be a 18 to 20 minutes per game guy, but I would expect him to be in the rotation. All right. Let's try and figure out the rotation. Last year, I mean, last year, what was the rotation? So Eugene Brown was eighth in minutes at 17 minutes a game. I guess they went eight deep, right? 
I mean, said mm-hmm. Russell had a limited role in certain games. They Ruck went seven deep, and then eight guy kind of rotated depending on who they were playing. So, so okay, let's try to fill like an eight, seven or eight man rotation, um, mm-hmm. and then we'll double back on some of these guys. So, so you think the starting point guard will be Bruce Thornton? Is that correct? Yes. All right. So let's talk a little bit about Bruce Thornton. What what we think he is. Well, and let's try to talk about it in terms of last year's team. If Jamari Wheeler and Michi Johnson were the primary point guards a year ago, if Bruce Thornton is the primary point guard here. Is it are they going to be better or worse at point guard? Better. Expound. Okay. One, Bruce Thornton is more talented than Jamari Wheeler. Um, he's a Georgia Mr. Basketball. Um, he can score it. He can rebound it. He can distribute it. Um, I was talking to somebody in the program, and as soon as I said Bruce Thornton's name, his their eyes kind of lit up in a way that – and was talking about him in a way that you never really talked about Jamari Wheeler. Jamari Wheeler was just a veteran who you know, did his job well. I think there's some upside with Bruce Thornton and what he can be. And then for the sake of adding Isaac Likely into this conversation, um, he's Draymond Green, Jay Sean Tatish, where it's like he's this undersized guy – who can do a little bit of everything for you, it might make up for the fact that you don't have a lot of big men because he plays a lot bigger than what his size is. Is he a point so, guard? You yeah. see the backup point guard? Yes. Okay. So he's the backup point guard. And you think he'll play? This is the guy, the last addition to the roster, transfer from, from Oklahoma State. Yeah, he'll play. He'll definitely play. Okay. At Oklahoma State, he played 30 minutes a game for four straight years averaged uh, 7.1 points per game last year. He's played a lot of minutes. Mm-hmm. He's played 110 games. No, he's played 114 games, 110 starts. He started from true freshman year at Oklahoma State. Averaged 31.3 minutes a game, 8.9 points a game. So he's been on the court at a high level a lot. Not a scorer, but all right, maybe he'll fill in, do some of that dirty work stuff that we saw guys like Jamari Wheeler and Kyle Young do for this team last year. All right, shooting guard, is that Tanner Holden? No. I would put Gale. Yeah, I'd put I'd put Rowdy Gale at the two guard spot. Okay. I think they're gonna play they're gonna be a lot smaller this year. So I, I would put Gale at the two and I'd put uh Tanner Holden at the three. Okay. So they're both gonna be scorers. Do you think they'll be the yes. two leading scorers for this team? No. I would say just because it might take Gale a couple of weeks to figure it out. Holden, Suing, who I, I'm putting at the four, and then Gale would be third. All right, so Justice Suing's at the four. And then who's the – is Ned Zedke starting at yeah, five? Yep. That is a short team. Yes, it is. They have all – why are they keeping in short under Chris Holtman? They're always short. Why are they always short? They don't land on – Seven footers. And it's ironically enough, Efton Reed, the five star center that they went after in the 2021 recruiting class who picked LSU, was back in the portal and they didn't get back into that race. And that's just what it's been. Since Caleb Weston's left, they haven't really had a legitimate big man, but they've always had bigger guards and wings. It's All interesting. Right. So we're going Thornton, Gale, Holden, Suing, and Key as the starters. Mm-hmm. Isaac Likely, you think, is in the rotation as Sean McNeil who I've been calling uh, Musket Justin because he's from yeah, West Virginia fine. and he's taken over for for Justin Arns. So got, you guys can hop on that. NIL, you want to hop on that. Although Musket, I mean, like, 
I don't know that Sean McNeil wants to be defined by the guy he, that he is coming to replace. Sean McNeil's going to play. He scored at West Virginia, right? I think he'll play early on. We'll see if he's still in the rotation at the end of the season. But, yeah, he should be in the rotation. 12.2 points a game each of the last two years at West Virginia. Starter both years, played 30 minutes a game. So we're putting him at the rotation, in the rotation, probably in that arm spot, right? He can, he'll can he be mm-hmm. a wing. He'll be a wing who's in there to shoot threes. Um, so all three transfers in, Holden, McNeil, and likely we have in the rotation. Who else do we think is going to be in that mix? That's seven deep so far. Is there another freshman? Is Seth Towns? Is Eugene Brown? Who else is going to play? I think Bryce Simpson ball is better than Eugene Brown. And that's the conversation there because um, Okpara has, got, has to be in the rotation at this point. He's the other big man, so he has to play because um, he is the closest thing to a seven-footer they have. Um, but then after that, it becomes like a Bryce Simpson ball, Eugene Brown conversation. I think it needs to be either Brown takes that next step as a 3 and D guy in year three, or you play the freshman. Okay. And then Seth Towns back for, I think it's year six, right? Yeah, I got to see. Um, is he going to be healthy at this point? Yeah. He, he didn't play all last year. The year before that, he didn't get he didn't start playing until halfway through the season with some injuries. I'm just not going to be comfortable putting him in any type of rotation, and we're doing this in May, and I'm not even sure if he's 100% healthy yet. So Akpara is the backup big. Sensabaugh is the backup. Three, four. Three, four. McNeil's the backup three and D guy and Mm -hmm. likely is the backup point guard. So that's your nine-man rotation. That doesn't include Seth Towns, Kalen Etzler, Bowen Hardiman, or Eugene Brown. Um, Is that a winning? What's You heard that you're playing those nine guys. How many Big Ten wins is that? Is that 10 and 10 in the Big Ten? It's definitely 11 and 9 or 12 and 8 at best. Again. All right. So let's uh, – the other fr- – so Bruce Thornton, this is from the 614. Bruce Thornton seems like a lock for starting point guard. What other freshman will have a solid chance at playing time? I feel like outside of Hardiman, they all have a chance. If you were going to go freshman playing time, will you go Thornton 1, Gale 2? Yes. Sensabaugh sure. 3? Mm-hmm. And as far as impact, yes. Yeah, Sensabaugh 3 and then Okpora 4. And then Bowen Hartman is probably just going to redshirt. Okay. All right. But you do so like, is there a good reason for people to be enthused? I mean, we know it's a highly rated and deep recruiting class. There's four guys in the top 60, you know? Mm -hmm. So, I mean, that, that should be normal under normal circumstances. That should be something um, for people to be fired up about. Should they be fired up about it? Yeah, because uh, I understand it. I said 11 and 9, 12 and 8 again, and that sounds very frustrating as Doug has, you know, projected onto this pod for the entire time we've been doing it so far and with good reason. But I think the 12, like not all 12 and 8s look the same. I think there's, there's upside here, especially with those. I mean, you've got four top 60 recruits and at least three of them might hit and be really good for you right away here. And so if that happens compare, combined with, whatever Tanner Holden can give you and Justice Swing can give you, there's reason for upside, even if the season is bumpy, just because they're young and inexperienced and this is basically a brand new team. It's not going to be moments of smooth sailing here. It's going to look ugly and bumpy at times, but we could get to March and things start to click. 
I feel like I have to be the overly optimistic person at this point because you've clearly taken the pessimistic approach. The... I apologize. This is one of my worst podcasts. I didn't realize. Normally, I know how frustrated or upset I am about something. I didn't know until like four minutes before this podcast started. Um, it's not the freshmen. It's the fact that they're you're, they're coming in and you're not adding them to anything. You're mm-hmm. adding them to a right state transfer and an undersized big guy. Like you're adding them to nothing. That's the hard part. They should if they were being added to like two or three veteran guys. Then you might be onto something, but I can already hear it in my head of, well, you know, I mean, those freshmen, they asked a lot of those guys, you got to give those, give them the year two and let's see what they can do with sophomores. And now we're into year seven of Chris Holtman wondering what's happening. Oh, well, you got to wait and see. And then we're going to be 10 years in saying, oh, well, you know, eventually, okay, well, and I'm just ready to, I'm just ready to be at the result stage. And Stephen, I can already hear the excuses because they're legitimate. It's an entirely new team that's going to rely a lot on this five-person freshman class, and that's unfair to do to those guys. But they have enough talent that if it doesn't pop, you're not going to give up on Thornton and Gale and Sensabaugh because it doesn't pop right away, which is going to delay all this another year when we have to be getting to results time. I think that's what I'm – I'm more frustrated by, I think, the Reasonable excuses. Yes, mm. yes. Because I can hear them in my head, and I could not be less interested in that. On behalf of the people listening to this who care about basketball, can we please just get to the end product? And again, if I yelled that at Chris Holtman, he'd say, hey, man, chill out a little bit. It's all good. And I'd say, I'm sorry, Chris. I'm just very wound up. And he'd say, you think you're wound up. I have to coach this team. So I get it. But part of it, Stephen, is – and this is all part of the reasonable excuse. It's like nobody – no college basketball coaches are ever going to get convicted of anything again. I'm getting convicted of doing a bad job because they all have reasonable doubt because of the transfer stuff and NIL stuff and guys leaving for the NBA. You always have an excuse for why you're not as good as you're supposed to be. And that is just no way to live. At some point it's money time, but like all of that is also reasonable. Well, Malachi Branham left. Well, you know, the COVID threw off the numbers and then Justice Suing got hurt. And then we had a really old team and now they're all new. It's not that they're invalid excuses, Stephen. It's that they're never ending. They're never ending. And it's just going to be another 10, 11, 12 win Big Ten season that's going to end with a second round loss on the NCAA. And it feels like we're trapped. Like you want to be optimistic about the talent, but it kind of feels like we're trapped in purgatory with this Ohio State basketball team right now. And at some point, you'd almost rather go down. You want to go up, but at some point, you'd rather go down because you're sick. You're sick of being where you are, and you've got to make a decision on what's going on. How many years in a row now have we said Ohio State's a year away from being ready to take off? And if you add up all those years, how many years away were you really? If you've said it four or five years in a row. And that's what it feels like every year. It's like, oh, you're a year away. It, it, before I, my, my first year on the beat, it was like, oh, they're a year away because like they're still in that little window where the, the talent that um, 
Thad Mata didn't get is what Chris Holtman's dealing with. And then you were a year away because COVID hit. And then you were a year away because you got Malik because you lost DJ Carton. And so now it's Dwayne Washington Jr. as your second best player. And then this past year, you're a year away because, yeah, you're going to lose EJ after the season. But imagine what happens when you pair um, Malachi Branham, the NBA player in year two with this top five recruiting class. And then he goes to the NBA draft. And now you're a year away because you've got this top five recruiting class, but they're all freshmen. So you got to wait till next year. That's a, that's the annoying part. It's mm-hmm. every single spring that since I've been here, when we've done this reset pot, it's been like, oh, they're a year away. They're a year away. Well, it's time to like stop being a year away. And how about instead of like underachieving or doing just what everybody thought you did, how about we have a year where you overachieve? And then that puts you ahead of yeah. the curve. Yeah. And like everybody's here for it. Everybody. Oh, if this, if a bunch of young guys, if a bunch of young guys lead a resurgence and overachieve, I mean, people are going to be yeah. fired fired up, man. But it's hard to be fired up about that in May. Uh, let's take one more quick break. When we come back, we'll talk a little bit more about the transfers, how they got them, how Ohio State wound up working the portal. And then we'll try to do best and worst case scenario for these Buckeyes. Next on Buckeye Talk. Doug and Steven, 614-350-3315 for the right to ask questions and have them read on a podcast by an unreasonably frustrated, irrational podcaster. And I apologize for that. I can feel I'd like start, I'd start this podcast over if I could. Um, but then we'd have to do another whole podcast. And frankly, I don't have the time. So you guys have to live with this. This is like that Oregon one. This is the worst podcast since the Oregon football podcast, oh. where I just the Oregon writer and I just yelled at each other for 25 minutes about Phil Knight. I think, this is the, I think this is the worst one since then. I would do, again, if I had the time to go, I think we have like almost a thousand podcasts of Buckeye Talk now. If I get bored in June, I will go through and rank the 10 worst Buckeye Talks ever. That's a lot of now I'm actually talks. intrigued to do that. That's actually the thing I'm most excited about on this podcast is ranking the 10 worst Buckeye Talks ever. This is certainly in contention for that. From the 4-4-0, Ohio State, not because of the questions, because of the host. Ohio State went out and got three solid transfers this offseason that all play the same position. I'm very excited to see what all three of them can do, but they are coming into a roster that already has Justice Suing and Roddy Gale. So great, we have five starting caliber two guards. What about post players? What about point guards? We go into next season relying solely on a true freshman in Thornton to run the show. And we're also relying on the one-two freshman center we have to carry all the weight down low. So my question is, did Holtman and the staff swing and miss on center and point guard transfers, or was the plan to just go find players they like regardless of position? So that's a really good transfer question because you dive into the portal and you know who's in there, but you don't know who you're going to come up with. So Oklahoma State, West Virginia, Wright State, three different style. There's like a three-point shooter, there's a defender, and there's a do-everything 20-point-a-game scorer. So they're, mm-hmm. th- they're three positionally similar guys who are very different in how they play. They knew they needed portal help, Stephen. How would you grade overall their portal grabs this cycle? I'd give it a solid B because their portal guys, in a way, answered some of the problems that they had last season and that's 
withholding it's who's your score after your first two guys now because you lost Branham all of a sudden he is one of your first two guys so maybe that's still a question or maybe it's not because you've got this talented freshman class with McNeil you've got what you call him the musket Justin musket Justin. He's, yeah he's the shooter who will actually shoot the ball that's what you I mean that always helps now whether he makes them or not let's see but at least he'll shoot them and as I said earlier, I think Isaac likely, first of all, he's 6'4", 6'5", 215. So he's not a little guard, which was part of the problem with Ohio State last year. All their guards were little. And so Villanova just played bully ball. They post, a team who already likes to post their guards just did it a lot more often. Um, him being able to kind of do a little bit of everything should help make up for the fact that you don't have the traditional, I can get you seven to eight to nine rebounds per game guy because he can do some of that mixed with Justice Suing, who is six, seven, six, eight, also being able to do some of that stuff as well. So no, you don't have the seven footer, but you've got some other guys who can kind of aid that a little bit. So you're fine. I do think last year, I wasn't really sure what their transfer portal guys checked off. I think they just went out and got guys and you could clearly tell they were scrambling to get guys because they went and got Cedric Russell because all of a sudden Dwayne Washington Jr. wasn't coming back, which anybody could have told you he wasn't coming back. This year, it felt like in January they realized, okay, we've got an old roster, so these guys aren't coming back. We know EJ's not coming back because he's going to the NBA. And Malachi just had 35 points against Nebraska. And if he keeps doing stuff like that, he's probably not coming back either. So let's pay attention to the portal and see if we can find guys to replace what they're losing. And they at least did that. So I'll give them a B. Okay. And they did is there anybody I mean weren't so there's there's two I mean there's there's I feel like McNeil and likely are sideways transfers. That when you go from West Virginia hmm. and Oklahoma State to Ohio State and they both played at West Virginia and Oklahoma State they were 30 minute a game guys. And so I guess they're coming to Ohio State for a step up, but it's not a gigantic step up. But those guys in general are the least interesting portal guys to me. The most interesting portal guys to me are a Tanner Holden type, which is, yo, I ripped it up at like a mid, mid-major mid level. Now I'm going to go to the Big Ten and see what's up. And maybe you catch a guy on the way up. It's like, oh, oh yeah, no, that translates. Mm-hmm. Or hey, I'm a five-star from North Carolina who it kind of didn't exactly go right and I'm looking for a landing yeah. spot. And like, those are the most interesting to me. And they have not gotten a guy like that yet. They've gotten a lot of sideways and they've got a couple jump up. Jimmy Soto's from Bucknell is still the most ridiculous transfer I've ever, how that possibly is a thing. And the guy from Utah State who never played, it's like, listen up, you can get one jump up guy cycle. Don't Able feed us three yeah. jump up guys. It's that's not what it's about. So Tanner Holden's one jump up guy. And I get it. The sideways guys maybe are the most. But where's where's that five star coming down a little bit? Shouldn't they get one of those at some point? Why haven't they gotten one of those at some point? Are those guys all NIL guys that aren't going to come to Ohio State right now? I think the last answer is the best way to answer that. But then also there just weren't like a lot of those guys this time around to go get. Um, but then, yes, NIL world, they're probably going to end up – if they're not working out at North Carolina, they're probably going to Duke or Kentucky or you know one of those schools as well. But to the point of the jump-up guys, Tanner Holden is – we've seen other schools get jump-up guys in the past, and they've worked out pretty well. Mm-hmm. Tanner Holden is the first jump-up guy Ohio State's gotten where I can honestly sit here and say he's going to impact this team. Mm. Because 
What he did, I can, it's right state, I understand that, but that looks real to me because he did it against Purdue. They played Purdue last season. He had 17 points against Purdue. He did it against Brian in the NCAA tournament. He had 37. Then against Arizona, he just had a bad shooting night, but he gets to the free throw line seven times per game. With Cedric Russell, it was like, yeah, none of this is going to work. He's an undersized guard, volume shooter. That's not ever going to translate. As you just said with Jimmy Sotos, he wasn't playing well at Bucknell. Why would you think it was going to work at Ohio State? And the same thing with Abel Porter, who was the Utah State transfer. This time, this guy feels like there's going to be something there. I'm not saying it's going to be 20 points per game, but as I said earlier, 20 points at Wright State in the Horizon League feels like 14 points in the Big Ten. And that's good. That's a good basketball player. Okay. Um, I'm trying to figure out. I want to get back to this before we leave a little bit of like where we think Ohio State slots in in the Big Ten this season. But there are Mm -hmm. a couple more uh, specific questions that I want to get to first. One of them is this from the 419. This will sound sarcastic, but it's real. We had two NBA guys last year and basically a bunch of other whatever's around them. They couldn't do enough to help the NBA guys get into the top four of the conference or the second round of the tourney. Losing both of them and now banking on a very injured Seth Towns and Justice Suing, how does that change next year? Do we have two more NBA guys on the roster? It seems like we'll be worse. Is that wrong? That's The specific thing about that I find is interesting. Do you think there are two NBA guys on this roster? Do you think there are two NBA guys on next year's roster who at the end of their careers will be selected in either the first or second round in the NBA draft? Yeah, I think Thornton ends up getting picked in the first or second round. I'm not going to say which round. I think Sensenball ends up getting picked because that's a big kid. He's like 6'7", 240 and can move. He's not like a slow dude. And, you know, they don't feel like they feel like he can play at 240, which remains to be seen. But that's interesting to me. Um, and then uh, Roddy Gale, I think he's an NBA player. And then Isaac Apora, um, Felix Apora, get the cast out of here. Felix Apora, I mean, he's 6'11 and he's a shot blocker. You know, NBA teams are always looking for rim protectors like that. So I do think those four true freshmen have NBA futures, even if they're not. EJ Liddell is going to be a first rounder. Malachi Brandon might be a lottery pick. I don't know if they're at that high of a ceiling, but they're NBA players in their future. From the 770, Stephen, I'd love to hear who we should expect to be the top three scorers next season. Hard to get a read on who the offense will be built around or if this will be more a by-committee offense instead of catering to a stretch big like Caleb Wesson or E.J. Liddell. Who are your leading candidates to be the three leading scorers? Tanner Holden and Justice Suing, um, Roddy Gale Jr., and... I'm very interested to see how Bryce Stinson ball progresses. Okay. And I'm wondering if there is like a January, the light comes on. Okay. But you'd say those first three, so that's the transfer. And then uh, one of the big time um, freshman guys and the guy mm-hmm. coming back from injury who was supposed to do more last year. I want I do want to ask sort of a follow-up justice suing question here. How much does this season hinge on justice suing that, uh, you know, he was supposed to be the third guy to lead the group complimenting Liddell and Branham last year. And he got hurt, only played two games that obviously affected the team. Now he's coming back in an even more important role. I don't want to say to some degree, it is sort of like out of sight, out of mind. I don't think, you know, 
nobody should give up on justice suing. But also, I mean, if to, if you think Justice Suing is going to come back and be like this team's best player or something, then that to me feels like a very average mm-hmm. Big Ten team if that's the case. Like, what are the possible outcomes for what Justice Suing season will look like? And how much will Ohio State's season hinge on what he does? I think it might be in Ohio State's best interest that if he's the best or second best player on night one, by February, he's fourth or fifth because that means those freshmen clicked and a lot came along and he's your floor. And that was – I don't think Justice Suing should be one of your three best players at the at the end of a season where you're trying to make a postseason run. Um, he just does a little bit of everything, but it just doesn't feel like your floor is very high if that's your third best player as he was two years ago or even as he would have been last season. I think if he's fourth or fifth, now you've got something. So, yeah, that's my answer. Second or, be- or best bet player when you in season opener, but by the time you get to the Big Ten tournament, I would like to see him be your fourth or fifth best player. He's just so far removed from his Cal tenure. 2017-18 yeah. season at Cal, 13.8 points a game in 32 minutes. 18-19 season at Cal, 14.3 points per game in 35 minutes. Then he transfers to Ohio State for the 1920 season, sits out. 2021, he scores 10.7 points per game in 28 minutes per game. And then last year, he's hurt. He scores 12 points and plays 30 total minutes. So, you know, again, and and if you're scoring 14 points a game at Cal, that's not 14 points a game at Ohio State. The more you look at Justice Suing, the more it looks a lot like Sean McNeil and Isaac Likely, which is a sideways transfer of like, yeah, I guess that's fine. But I don't know. This isn't how you build a championship team. So I would just, you have to be wary of putting too much on the guy. I think your answer to that, Stephen, is a really smart one that he's, he is who he is, probably, yeah. which is like a 12 to 14 point per game score at a place like Ohio State. And so if that's your one or two, not great. If that's your four or five, you're pretty good. But that's really about the rest of the team. So it doesn't hinge on him. He kind of is who he is. What matters is how everything else comes together or doesn't come together around him. So we'll wrap up with this from the 910. Stephen, what's a realistic best case and worst case scenario? They say for the Ohio State men's and women's teams. I wish we had time to cover women's basketball the way we did 15 years ago. We certainly don't, so we're not going to pretend we know about that. What is the best case? Let's do the worst case first. I'm looking at a thing. I don't even know who it's by. It's by somebody who decided to do it that did like a way too early 2022-2023 Big Ten basketball prediction. They have Ohio State sixth. So I don't know, whatever that means. You know, it's like, oh, there's talent on the roster. It's like, yeah, it's all young, but there's some talent here. There's no veteran talent. There's no veteran talent that knows what it's doing. Um, What's the worst case? Could they be under – like, I mean, again, they're so young and so new. I wouldn't wouldn't say it's impossible that they go 8-12 and in the Big Ten. I was just getting ready to say that. That worst case scenario would be like six and fourteen. I mean, one of those were like the middle. As I think, as we all know by now, when you evaluate the Big Ten, the top of the Big Ten typically is not as good as the top of other conferences. But mm-hmm. the middle of the Big Ten can be a war, man. Yes. So if you're in that mix and you're somewhere between the fifth and tenth best team. 
you can lose a lot of games in there. And they've actually done pretty well winning a lot of those games. But if they slip like one notch, all of a sudden you're losing at Minnesota and you're losing to Indiana and you're losing to Purdue and Michigan state. And then maybe Penn state jumps up, you know, you're having letting, you're letting Penn state or Nebraska, Nebraska did get them. Maryland's going to be better because they're going to have their coaching situation figured out. You know, like you can, you can go from like the fifth or sixth best team in the big 10 to the 10th or 11th best team in the big 10, mm-hmm. which is, and have it not be a huge margin. So that is not impossible to me, Steven, with the team this young that you'd see flashes of the future, but it would just be a, a turnover at an inopportune time, a short-term injury that they can't overcome, too many cold shooting nights. They're not connected on defense, and it's just growing pains, but it's bad. That's out there. The one thing I've learned covering this team is it's very easy to lose six straight Big Ten te- games, and you lost every single one of them by six points or less. And that's yeah. why like six and 14 sounds bad. Until it's like, yeah, because they had this stretch in January where they lost to Michigan by four. Then they lost to Wisconsin by six. And then they lost to Northwestern by a buzzer beater. And then Purdue came in here and beat them by seven. And all of a sudden, it's it, that's why I say six and 14 is worst case scenario. And then best case scenario is almost the polar opposite of that. Yeah, Just as it's just as easy to win six straight Big Ten games as it is to lose six straight. Because all those things that I just said where you lost – Six games by six or less. You won six games by six or more, six or less points, and so now you're fourteen and six. When really everybody's like ten and ten. Right. It's the difference of are you two and ten in games decided by five points or fewer, yeah. or are you seven and three in games decided by five points or fewer? The hard thing about this is, is for the last two years they had a sure thing that whatever else happened or didn't happen, you knew what EJ Liddell was going to do. You knew he was going to basically hmm. give you. 18 and 11, 20 and 10 at the worst every night. And you could center everything else around that. I, what do you know they're going to do? Are they going to be a great defensive team that's connected all the time? I don't think you'd know that. They certainly haven't been that all the time in the past. Are they going to be a great shooting team? Are they going to have a, a post game that's going to always get them points? Are they have, like, I, I, I don't, what do you yeah. know? What do you know that you can count on? And they've had two years of counting on that with EJ Liddell. And that is going to be, I was going to say, it's going to be a new reality, but nobody knows what that reality is because the only people who played with EJ Liddell are Zed Key and Eugene Brown. So they're not going to know what they're missing, but the fans are going to notice it. And Chris Holtman's going to notice it. And I don't know what this team does well, because we don't know anything about this team. And you can't say, well, you know, Tanner Holden's going to get his 13 a game in the Big Ten. Like, that's not it. He's a transfer. He's not supposed to be coming here from Wright State to carry this team to f- the top four in the Big Ten. So that, that could lead to some early losses. That could lead to some tough stretches in February, man. And But the best case scenario is what? Just that, as you said, okay, there's like a 14 and 6 universe where, like, the young guys are just ready to roll. And Bruce Thornton's like, yo, I've got this come with me and Bryce Sensabaugh and Roddy Gale are like, let's go. It's freshman time. And Tanner Holden's like, cool. These freshmen are awesome. They're very Mm -hmm. energetic. I'm just going to be over here and let them draw double teams. And I'm going to shoot open jumpers. And I always, Mike Conley got here and was like, okay, wait, we need a leader. All right. This is my, I'm the captain. Now Mike Conley dropped that in January. I'll never forget the news conference where Mike Conley was like, 
this is how we do this. And it's like, oh, no, it's not Jamar Butler in charge anymore. Mike Conley's 18, and he's running the show. If Bruce Thornton's got a little bit of that in him. Now, Mike Conley had Greg Oden. Bruce Thornton doesn't have Greg Oden. Makes it a lot easier when you got Greg Oden as your best friend. But that world, and Stephen, if I was going to say, okay, well, tell me where you've got an impact freshman coming in. I, my, as much as it'd be great to have a big point guard might be where it's at. What do you have? I got a point guard who's going to have the ball in his hands and it's going to tell everybody, I've got this. Follow me. We're good. If Bruce Thornton has some Mike Conley in him and there are some talented young guys who fall in, boom, boom, boom. Now maybe you're the third best team in the Big Ten. I was going to take it a step further and say there's two Malachi Branhams who don't necessarily have the NBA cachet with it. In Thornton because, and Gale, yeah. Or you okay? They have like it doesn't even have to be Thornton and Gale. You can it can be Thornton and Sensiball or Gale and Sensiball, whatever. Now we're saying Thornton because they need a point guard, and that's the one who probably needs to hit. But it's the idea of we get to January and these freshmen start popping, but it's not in a way where the the catch the NBA eye. So you're not going. Yeah. All right, they're going to lose their freshman class again. No, it's just in a way where it's like they they can have the Malachi impact without the NBA attention. That's best case scenario for Ohio State. I mean, like a, like Mateen Cleaves, which we're going back twenty years now, right? Yeah. But like a, like Aaron Craft with a little more yes. offensive game, right? Yes. That, like upside Aaron Craft. Um, that that like you're going to stick around, but this team really could use, and I've got this guy. And if you're mm-hmm. saying that people's eyes are lighting up when Bruce Thornton's name is mentioned, if he's an, I've got this guy where it doesn't matter if they don't have veterans because they have a young guy with the ball in his hands who acts like a veteran. And the hard part about this is Steven, like a couple years ago, we were prepared for DJ Carton to be that. And like, it didn't happen at all. So we, mm-hmm. you know, we learned, it's like, you can't, we get it. And we're not going to talk down recruiting on this podcast because recruiting rankings do matter and talent matters coming in. And you should feel enthused about this recruiting class. But Bruce Thornton's got a heavy load. He's got a heavy load. And if they if if any of the freshmen and and you were all over this as it was happening with Malachi, he just was a completely different player. First half of the season, the second half of the season. If all the freshmen are on a Malachi Branham path, they might be they'll be under they might be under 500 at some point. Right, mm-hmm. they, they might lose every competitive game they play in the non-conference mm-hmm. because they're not going to have anybody. If it's like, hey, the freshmen are learning, and it's like Tanner Holden and Justice Suing, can you guys try to win this uh, ACC challenge game for us? And it's going to be like, no. So maybe not under five hundred because you always play a bunch of patsies, but they might be seven and four, and then mm-hmm. have a couple tough Big Ten games, and all of a sudden it's like, hey, the football season just ended. How's the basketball team look? And it's like, they're nine and seven. But the freshmen are starting to figure it out. But then that's going to be now they're going to be in a fight to make the tournament. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, that's that is not I, I could see them being in a fight to make the tournament. And then maybe they make the tournament as an 11 seed and, and get to the Sweet 16 because they, they're figuring it out, it out at the end. Right. So but again, we, we've we've seen these Holtman teams have slides late in the year. Maybe they'll have a slide early and get it together late. Please, can you, what should, how should Ohio State fans feel? I'll let you finish off the podcast. You know what? You say the Buckeye talk thing. I don't know if we ever, you're going to maybe start having like a recruiting pod where you're going to be the host. So you need to get used to saying, and that was Buckeye talk. I'm going to let you finish off this podcast. I'm not going to talk again because I've talked too much and it's been awful. 
And I apologize to Ohio State basketball fans who deserve better. We'll let the person who knows something about the basketball team finish this off. What would you just, how should fans, as we leave the fans here, Steve, how should they be thinking about this program in May? And then whenever you're done, just do, and that was Buckeye Talk. Okay. Bye, everybody. Thanks for listening. Sorry I sucked. <laughs> well, that was amazing. Okay, fans. Let's, here's how we should approach this basketball season coming up. As we enter the summer, and this this coaching staff has even trying to figure out what the heck it has on its roster. That's almost like the first question we should ask next fall is, what are you with this team? Cautionly, cautiously optimistic because it's going to look ugly early. There's not going to be, I would not suspect there's going to be the, we beat Duke or we beat Kentucky or we beat North Carolina on this, on the table for this Ohio state team to when you finally wake up after, you know, Ohio state's beaten team X in the big 10 turn big 10 championship game. And you're waiting a month for them to play on the playoff. And you're just checking in on the basketball team. You go, Oh, they're pretty good because they just beat a top five team in the country. I don't think that's going to happen this time around because they are young because there is so much here that they just don't know. It's going to look ugly in the beginning. I think it might start looking better in the middle and get ugly again, but then start looking a little bit better as we get closer to the postseason. As I said, best case scenario, these freshmen are on the Malachi Brandon plan, which means they're 500 heading into the Big Ten schedule where maybe they lose those two early Big Ten games before you get to January. But then it starts clicking, and then we get to the NCAA tournament, and we're in the second game, and you're going, how the heck did this happen? This team was 10-10 you know, and 10 a month and a half ago, so how the heck did this happen? That's how you should approach this. We shouldn't have the same expectations as we had coming into this past season where it was like Ohio State should be getting to the second weekend or it's a failure of a season. We should be looking at it as be patient and let these young guys grow. And if you look at it like that, you won't be pulling your hair out going fire Holtman when we get to February. But if you look at it as these freshmen should be awesome and Ohio State should be a Sweet 16 team no matter what happens, and you're thinking that in December, well, then we're going to see a bunch of hashtag fire Holtmans all over the place. So we're going to have to come in here and calm you guys down. Or you're just going to have a bad attitude like Doug had this pod. So those are your options. You can not have the bad attitude like Doug, or you can have the bad attitude like Doug. Either way, I'm going to talk in this calm, composed manner because that's what Steven does. I'm Steven, he's Doug, and that was Buckeye Talk. Mm-hmm.